As I was praying with our readings for this weekend, one of the things that came to mind was actually gathering at someone's home. Uh, I was visiting with them, and there was maybe a dozen or so people present. Uh, We were having a good time, having a nice dinner. Conversation was coming up, and we started talking about different things, including heaven. And one of the people there asked me, why is it that we believe that not everybody is going to be in heaven? And that was a good question. And so I started to think about how I might answer, thinking of different arguments from doctors of the church, thinking about the relationship between God's providence and our free will. But instead of using any argument at all, I simply reached out, picked up my glass of water, and held it out to him. He looked at me and he looked at the water, and he didn't seem to, to grasp what was going on, so he had this facial expression of like, well, what's that supposed to mean? Or what are you doing? Or I don't understand. And so I held out the water just a little bit longer, and then I placed it back on the table. But his question about heaven is something that our gospel passage and our other readings seem to address. Who is it that makes it to heaven? In the time of the Jewish people, many of the Jews believed that only the Jews would be saved. They believed that the Messiah would come just for them and not for anyone else. That he would rescue them, but everybody else would not be saved. This, of course, is not God's plan. And we see that even in the scriptures that the Jews would have had from the prophet Isaiah. We hear about how the foreigners would be saved. Now, for the Jewish people, they classify the whole world into two groups of people, those who are Jews and those who are not Jews. And those who are not Jews, they call Gentiles. We might wonder, though, like, well, where does this term Jew come from? Because aren't they supposed to be the people of Israel? Well, when we think about Israel, he had 12 sons. From those 12 sons come the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes is the tribe of Judah. In the history of the people of Israel, ten tribes were carried off and brought away because of their sinfulness. They were dispersed throughout the world, leaving just two tribes, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. But the tribe of Benjamin was really small, and it was absorbed into the tribe of Judah. And from the tribe of Judah, we get the term Jew. So, We have the Jewish people by the time of Jesus. They're the only tribe left of the people of Israel. And then there's everybody else, and they're called Gentiles. But in our first reading from Isaiah, we hear that even the foreigners, even the Gentiles, can be saved. That even they can worship God. That they can be on the holy mountain and be a part of the house of prayer. In fact, at the end of the passage, Our Lord, through the prophet Isaiah, says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. In our responsorial psalm, we say, O God, let all the nations praise you. As in, let's bring everybody into this worship of God. Which is kind of difficult, since the Jewish tradition and the covenant with Moses was just for the Jewish people. So it must be a new covenant that's established that includes everyone. And that's a covenant that Jesus brings about. 
that this is Jesus' plan we see even in our gospel passage. Because a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, is coming to him. Jesus doesn't act perhaps the way that we would expect. He seems to be even rude to her. First, he doesn't say anything at all. And then he tells her that he only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, that may sound really harsh, like, well, I'm not going to help you. But he doesn't say, I'm not going to help you. He says that he was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But why does he say that? There's at least two reasons. Uh, one of them is because he's, he's articulating the common belief of the Jewish people that the Messiah only comes for the Jews. He's voicing this because this is likely what many of the people nearby are thinking. This is likely even what his disciples are thinking. And so he voices it. He, he brings it out and makes it explicit. But he's also testing her faith. He's also strengthening her faith. He's also trying to bring about a greater expression of faith from her. Notice he didn't send her away as his disciples told him to. But rather, he makes that remark. And what's the woman's response? Instead of being discouraged, she actually gets closer to him. She actually talks to him and says, Lord, help me. Then Jesus continues with this seemingly rude comment saying that, he, that it's not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. The children being a reference to the children of Israel. The dogs being a reference to her and everybody else. Again, that doesn't sound very nice. But Jesus is trying to illustrate what others are believing and at the same time, getting her to elicit a greater faith. But again, she's not discouraged. Instead, because Jesus is even talking to her, she's encouraged. Because our Lord is communicating with her, she continues with his own analogy, saying that even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. So she's saying she knows that she's not a Jew, but she also believes that the Messiah comes not only for the Jews, but for everyone. That Jesus, in his infinite love and mercy, being God himself, that he is going to answer her prayer. That he's going to grant her this grace. And in fact, she wins Jesus over. And he says, A woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And from that hour, her daughter was cured. So in our gospel passage, Jesus is illustrating what is said through the prophet Isaiah, that the Messiah comes for all. We might think, oh, well then, why don't we believe that everyone goes to heaven? If Jesus came to offer heaven to everyone, why doesn't everyone get to make it? If we go back to the first reading... Notice that through the prophet Isaiah, God doesn't just say everybody goes to heaven. He has things that need to be done. He says that the foreigners must join themselves to the Lord. They must minister to him. They must love the name of the Lord. They must become his servants. They must keep the Sabbath free from profanation. They must hold to the covenant. Then... 
he says, he will bring them to his holy mountain. They have to respond to the gift that's being offered. They don't just get to go. They're not being forced to go. Do they accept this gift? Do they accept the offer of eternal life? And how is it that we accept it? By living as he calls us to. Through that list that we see in that first reading, he's telling them they need to live according to the commandments. They need to live according to the covenant. They need to live a life that's a yes to God and a yes to heaven. Then they get to come. Then they will have this gift, this offering. Then they will get to be a part of his people. Then they can have eternal life. We might recognize within ourselves and we might recognize within others that we don't always keep the commandments. We don't always follow God as we ought. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we make mistakes. Well, St. Paul reminds us in our second reading that we can be reconciled to God. In his infinite mercy and love, he draws us back to himself. Each time we fall, he encourages us to get up again. Each time we go astray, he calls us back to himself. Our Lord offers us the grace of eternal salvation, initially in baptism. But should we go a different direction through sin, we can have that grace restored. We can receive that gift again through the sacrament of reconciliation. We can be blessed and welcomed home by being reconciled to our Lord through the confession of our sins, through true repentance. But even St. Paul recognizes in our second reading, not everybody is going to choose to do that. Notice he says that he came to talk to the Gentiles to bring them into the fold, but he also does it in order to make the Jews jealous. He also does it in order to try to draw the Jewish people to repentance and draw them into the covenant, those who have previously refused to become Christian. But he says he does it in order to save some. Not all, but some. Why some? Because he knows some are not going to repent. Some are going to choose to continue to reject Jesus. And so not all are going to be saved. But we have the good news that our Lord offers salvation to all. We have the good news that this gift is being offered. And we know how to respond. We know how to say yes, because he tells us how to. To live the faith, to receive his grace. And should we go astray to be reconciled? And so at that dinner party, at that time I was with those people in that house, as we were gathered together and I was trying to answer the question, when I put the glass of water back down, I said to the man who asked me, I offered you my glass of water, but you did not take it, and so you do not have it. God offers eternal life. He offers heaven to everyone. But if they don't accept the gift, if they don't accept the offer, then they will not have eternal life. And he kind of just slumped back into his chair. He seemed to be deep in thought. And he didn't ask me any more questions. And then the conversation kind of went towards other things. And the evening went on, and it was enjoyable. But I think it really got him thinking about why we believe what we believe. That God does offer eternal life to all, but we need to accept that gift. It's not something we earn, but it's something we receive. And so let us reflect 
upon how we can better receive that gift. A gift that we can taste and start to experience even here on earth. The blessings, the love of the Lord is something that God wants us to have even now, through our relationship with him, through prayer, but especially through the sacraments. And our Lord comes to us in a unique way. He comes to us in the Eucharist to allow himself to be united with us even now, to strengthen us, to help us live a life of holiness so that we can be with him forever in heaven. This is a great gift, something that we should be well disposed and eager to receive, to give us what we need to be with him, this gift of himself, because heaven is being united with God forever. And we can get a taste of that here and now on earth in the most Holy Eucharist.